0: Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. For those of you uh, who brought your Bibles, would you flip open with me to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. We're going to continue on in our... uh, sermon series this morning uh, on Acts, and I love how uh, when kind of coming together, going how does this all mix up, and how does this all work together, and if you didn't know, Palm Sunday is today, and so uh, if you don't know what Palm Sunday is, this is what it looks like right here. We'll wait for it right there, Um, and so uh, that's, that's what it could look like. Uh, but, no, Palm Sunday is where we uh, celebrate Jesus triumphantly entering. And we're, we're going to talk about that. But how does Acts chapter 3 enter into that? And I think it's about this. is, is about receiving something you didn't expect. Receiving something you didn't expect. Yesterday, uh, Ava was playing a basketball tournament in Scobie. And we showed up and we had a game at uh, noon and then a game at one. We knew those were scheduled. And depending upon how everything went, we had a game at nine o'clock. We would have a game at either six, seven, or nine o'clock. And so we were all prepared to uh, be there until 9 o'clock because that was the loser's bracket, right? And so we were all prepared for that. And um, at the end of the day, Ava's team took second place. And so uh, what happened is, is we were sitting on the bleachers afterwards, and she, she looked all bummed out. And I said, well, what's wrong, sweetie? And she's like, I, I really wanted first. And so, and I looked at her, I said, let's be honest, did you even think you'd win game one? And she's like, no, not at all. And I said, did you think you'd win game two? She's like, "Uh uh-uh. And so we, they took second, and so I'm like, second place is pretty good, and she's like, yeah, second place is really good, I guess. And so getting something new didn't expect. That's what it looks like in uh, chapter, verse chapter, or chapter three, and so let's read that together, and then we'll pray, Okay. Chapter three, verses one through 10. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar, they had seen so often at the beautiful gate. They were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Let's pray. God, as we jump into this word, uh, Lord, would we see how this affects our life and would we see how uh, we can walk with you in this next week? Would we see how it pertains to you entering into Jerusalem as the triumphal king? And Lord, would it be something we didn't expect? Lord, we love you. In your holy name we pray, amen. This whole entire series that we've been on in Acts has been the foundation of one single verse, and that one single verse is Acts 1.8, and it says this, it says, when you receive the Holy Spirit, when it comes upon you, you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, through Judea and Samaria, and to the outer ends of the earth. This whole point now, as we continue to move on, we've seen that Peter has given his sermon to people, and now they have all these believers, and we don't know how many weeks we jump forward, but maybe it's a couple weeks, maybe it's a couple months, and it continues to show the power of the Holy Spirit on the 12 disciples on the 3,000 people who are in the church. And so I just want to kind of go verse by verse with you this week and kind of look at, okay, what does this look like in our lives? What does this look like as we have the Holy Spirit in us and we're walking through and how does this practically Help us live our lives. And so if you're taking notes, you can just follow. We're going to take two, basically two verses in a chunk. And you can write down any uh, any note you want as we go through. And so here's the deal. Let's read it together. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they reached, as they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one that was called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. This isn't kind of something uh, profound except for this, is that we understand that just because they became Christians didn't mean they left out their rituals that they were doing all along. They were going for the 9 o'clock prayer service. They were going for the noon prayer service. They were going for the 3 o'clock prayer service because they wanted to be with people. Their whole entire point in life is to just be around people to continually point to Jesus Christ. And it just so happens that uh, there is constantly people lined up asking for prayer. This has been going on for years. In fact, actually, one of the best ways for uh, for people to receive money as beggars and different things like that were to be at the temple gates because it was considered something... Uh, m- uh, meritorious, if you will, that, hey, look at me, I'm a good person, I'm giving money to somebody. Most of the time it was an act of, hey, look at how wealthy I am and how much I give to, give to people. Now, this guy must have actually been a, uh, a pretty cool guy because his friends continually brought him in every single day. They were carrying him in as Peter and John came in. But what kind of strikes me as something interesting is Jesus had to have seen him. This guy says he he was there every single day, daily. And we know that Jesus was at this temple and he's walked by it. And so we even know that Jesus didn't heal this guy when Jesus was around which is something interesting to think about in the idea that Jesus didn't heal everybody. Jesus had the power to heal, but he didn't heal everyone. It also kind of means, wait a second, do we just give up? Oh, Jesus is gone now. It's My, my luck is run out. I guess I didn't get what I needed to, and so I'll just move on. No, he kept on coming over and over again, showing his faith. It just kind of reminds me of the story of uh, the blind guy, and people said, "Well, what's his sin?" And they said, "Well, no, actually he doesn't have any sin. It was to glorify God." This isn't just a happenstance story. This story is happening because Jesus, or because God has wanted it to happen. The beautiful gate, and by the way, is also just a completely ornate gate. It's about 75 feet tall and completely bronzed. In fact, actually they say that it was probably worth more than most gates that had gold and silver embossed on them. And so it's not like they have a lack of money, right? The temple could easily go and say, hey, here's some money. It could sell something. But I think that God uses this temple as a place for people to crowd around, for all people to come so that God could show his absolute glory. And so as he does, this is what happens. In verses 3 through 5, it says, When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. And Peter and John looked at him intently. And Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. What would it look like if you were so desperate that you needed something to help you out? We've been talking about this. In fact, actually, we looked at this uh, a couple weeks ago about the idea that they are so desperate that they say, what should we do? We are cut to the core. We know that we are sinners. Please, please tell us. They're pleading, what should we do? And now you have a beggar who looks for the worldly things and says, would you please give me some money? Would you please give me some money? So not only does God care about our spiritual well-being, but I think this is also saying that God cares about our physical well-being as well. Most people could have just walked by. How many of you guys have ever seen that beggar at the end of a corner and you're just like, you don't give eye contact whatsoever? If I don't look, that means that I don't got to give. If he's not there, if they're not there, I don't got to do anything. And so we see them miles off. And this is what's interesting is Peter and John saw him being carried in. And then... They see him as he's sitting there. Peter doesn't look at this as an uh, opportunity to avert the eyes. He looks at it as an opportunity to do something about it. I wonder if I have those eyes that I don't want to avert anything. We, I want to see opportunity. I don't want to miss opportunity. Opportunity. But what if they go and spend it wrong? What if, they, what if they're not responsible? Well, I don't know if that's where we need to go as Christians. Maybe it's we need to be so spirit-filled that we look for opportunities for the spirit to work through us. We've already been setting this up all through the first two chapters where the Holy Spirit is on them and they're guiding and they're directing and this is to the point where in practical application they're walking with the Holy Spirit. And so the response of Peter is simply this. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Get up and walk. Then, G- then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up and as he did the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened i don't have any gold or silver but what i do have i give to you have you ever walked up to a beggar and looked at them and said even if you knew that you didn't have any money instead of walking by you just said hey I'd, i don't have any money for you to be honest and open with people at where you're at at this time or do we ignore? Do we push aside? Do we not actually care about the afflicted things going on? What if we started with Jesus and started instead of starting with, what's go, with the, what we think are their problems? You see, I think we want to solve people's problems and say, Okay, well, if you would just do this, this could solve everything for you. Instead, he goes, I don't have anything, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. I most of the time, when dealing with people, start with, well, let's look at the problem and see how we can solve that problem, and not start with Jesus. When he says this, immediately he says, get up and walk. This is a divine interaction. This is God stepping in. This man has been born with this, afflicted with this his whole entire life. This isn't just an ankle broken or anything like this. No, this man could not walk his whole entire life. How many people do you know who have dealt with sin their whole entire life? How many people do you know that just are struggling? over and over again their whole entire life that aren't walking with Jesus. Most of the time we end at what you need is Jesus and walk away. What does Jesus maybe say about these things? Everything in this book right here is an answer to every single problem we have in this world, physical, spiritual, you name it. God has already given us the power to walk in it. And just maybe, just maybe as we walk around with Jesus and filled with the Holy Spirit, we accomplish miracles that are unbelievable. Because Peter, in verse 8, reaches out his hands and picks him up and he's instantly healed. He jumped up, stood on his feet and began to walk then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went in the temple with them. This guy had never, ever been on his feet. And the first thing he decides to do is walk and then leap and praise God. Could you imagine those like I, I think about like the scarecrow on the Wizard of Oz, right? When he gets down off the when he gets down off the thing and he's all wobbly, but then he starts to jump right away and and praising God. I just this picture is unbelievable because only God can accomplish this. We find out later on that this man is 40 years old. and he walks for the very first time all the people saw him walking and heard and heard him praising Jesus by the way the temple is 35 acres okay that's kind of a rough estimate covers over 35 acres and there is lots of people in this area it doesn't say some of the people It says all of the people saw him walking and heard him praising Jesus. I just think he started doing marathon laps, right? Just going around, just going, hey, you see me? Hey, do you see this? Hey, I I got this. This is because of Jesus. This is because of what he's done in my life. This is kind of like the equivalent of posting how great Jesus is on Facebook over and over again. This is unbelievable and everybody when they realize that it was the lame beggar. They were absolutely astounded. They could not believe something like this could happen. Even after they've seen Jesus do miracle after miracle. But here's why I think that they're astounded is because it was done through Jesus' disciples without Jesus being there. It gave credibility to what Jesus did on the cross for them. It gives them credibility that they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And they all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. And next week for Easter, we're going to finish the rest of the story. But one of the things as I was planning for Palm Sunday, I I wasn't sure of how this piece of scripture would match up to the triumphal entry. And it absolutely does match up. Because like these men going into the temple and showing that they had the power of Jesus Christ with them. There was also Jesus going to the temple to set up his reign. To show that, man, maybe... I don't have all the political power that you guys want me to have to take over. But what I do give you is a relationship with God. And so if you'll flip with me to Luke chapter 19. And if you didn't know, Luke also writes the book of Acts as well. And so, man, they just flow together and his communication And here's why I think this is incredibly important in terms of looking at coming in and going, what I do have, I give you. Because Jesus, the very same way, can say, I don't have gold and I don't have silver, but what I do have, I give you. But let me give you an example. Let me give you a reason why Jesus has to go into uh, into the temple. In 175 BC, the uh, the people who had conquered uh, the Babylonians, who had conquered uh, Israel, would not allow them to do any sacrifices in the temple anymore. Until a guy by, I'm going to butcher his name, uh, Mattathias is his name, uh, started what's called the Maccabean Revolt. And what happens with that is in 168 BC, this guy decided not to listen to anybody's, um, anybody's orders that he couldn't make a sacrifice anymore. And so he goes and uh, he makes a sacrifice and he can, in, in the face of death, He's making sacrifices and then one of the farmers around him decides that, he, that uh, they are going to make a sacrifice to a different God. And so what happens is Mattathias ends up killing that guy because he is not following the way that, uh, the way that God had set up all of these things to go. And so we begin to have this huge revolt going, we need to be back in the temple. And so he gets armies together and they fight uh, the people that are oppressing them and they finally get into the temple and they take the temple back. And when the priests go back into the temple and to go light the lampstands in the temple that are supposed to be on forever and always constantly going and using holy oil and all of that sort of stuff, they only have enough oil for like one day. And so the process of uh, making this oil holy is going to take a lot of time. But in faith, they lit the lampstand. And the lampstand went for 12 days until they could make this oil. And this is where we get Hanukkah from, Hanukkah from is the idea of 12 days and... Um, this is how when the Jews become to get, uh, to get this holiday. But then what happens like a lot of things in sinners, uh, Mattathias dies after fighting all of these battles. And this guy by the name of Judas comes along and he's, he, keeps on, he keeps on fighting for what his dad fought for. But then Judas dies, and of course, uh, Jonathan comes along, and so Jonathan is the brother to Judas, and Jonathan doesn't do anything like his father does, and so Jonathan actually made a pact with the Gentile rulers that they were the ones to set up who the high priest was in the temple. And so he makes this treaty with them, and, and for the very first time, God doesn't select the high priest, somebody else does. And so these Gentile rulers kind of put Jonathan in place. And of course, Jonathan's going on for a while. And then eventually, what happens is Simon comes along. And Simon makes a pact, not with Gentile rulers, he makes a pact with the Roman world. And so now Rome has control of the temple. And it just goes on from there, right? They create this system in which, hey, if you want to create sacrificial, uh, sacrificial offerings, you'll come and you'll bring your sheep. But we're going to inspect them first. And when we inspect them, we're going to find something wrong with them. And we're going to sell you our animals And so then you're going to have to pay a fee for them, an extra fee. And so they're making way more money. And then they take that sheep that they had, that they took from the guy saying, hey, this isn't okay. Put it in their flock so later on it can come back in again and they sold. So this is big, huge money-making thing all while forgetting that the high priest is supposed to be the one that is constantly making sure that the temple is doing what it's supposed to do by giving God the glory and by allowing people to come to God and sacrifice the right way. If there was a time in which somebody needed to make a triumphal triumphal entry, it was now. It wasn't that Jesus just had to do it out out of a whim. It was that Jesus had to come back and set up what was going on in the whole kingdom of God. And so when Jesus walks into the temple, it's because he is taking back what's rightfully God's. Not what's man's, but what's rightfully God's. And trying to come back and go, we need to glorify God, not use this for evil. And so we find in 28, the story of Jesus entering the temple and taking it back over. And it says this, after telling this story, Jesus went on towards Jerusalem, walking ahead of the disciples. As he came to the town of Bethpage in Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he said. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone, if anyone asks why you are untying that colt, just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owner asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over, over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessing on the king who has come in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heavens. Highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teachers rebuke your followers for saying these things, saying things like that. And he replied, "If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers." The whole point of Jesus coming back in his triumphal entry was to take back what was rightfully God's and what man had made for destruction. The whole point of Jesus' life was to continue to bring us back into a right relationship with God. And I love the very last thing that says, If they had kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. How many people do you think that as this guy was leaping and running and walking around and praising God, they'd said, dude, stop being a lunatic. Stop being so loud. And he said, no, I can't stop because I've seen the miracles. It's the exact same way as the apostles here, the disciples. After all the wonderful miracles they had seen, they are completely loud. And everybody around them is saying, you should rebuke your followers because Jesus isn't the right one. You can't be, you're, you're simply a man and you're riding on a donkey, not even, you don't even have an army behind you. You don't have anything to support that you could take over the temple. You don't have enough money in the world to buy this back from Rome. In essence, Jesus' statement is, hey, I don't have any gold or silver, but you need to understand that even if these guys don't get it, The whole entire world does. The rocks cry out. The stones will cry out and say, this is the Messiah. Jesus' statement, I don't have any gold or silver, but what I do have is my life so that you can have the Holy Spirit, so that you can have the same power that is in me. Man, this is an amazing look at the idea that, man, we so badly want the power and prestige that this world has to offer. But I think we miss it for the fact that Jesus' power can be in us through repentance and through, uh, yeah, through repentance and choosing to follow God. We have that exact power. So that through, through the triumphal entry of Jesus saying, this is how it's set up. This is how it should be. I'm going to show you who God is and allow God to be here and allow you to be in a relationship with God because of my death. So that the rocks don't have to cry out, man, you can have my life. So essentially, as people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, because Jesus has come into the temple and is our high priest, and we talked about it in Hebrews months ago, that Jesus is our high priest, the only one that can lead us in the right direction. And because he gives us the spirit and acts as we pray for and repent and seek to obey, there's things that come out of that for us. And looking at these scriptures, it is this, is that spirit-filled people impart, really, I think, three things of these two stories. And the first one is this, is that we impart healing, not only for the soul, but physically as well. That we don't want to miss opportunities for the power of the Holy Spirit to be in us, To impart that healing, to heal maybe relationships in our life, to heal other people's relationships and help them out, but also to offer a relationship with Jesus Christ. Like Marge's video said that last week, and I'm gonna say it again, is that she said, Man, I I can't deal with my life anymore. Spirit filled people impart healing. And point to Jesus. But also spiritual, spirit-filled people have joy. Once again, we talked about that last week. <laughs> There's this story that I read about a mom who was in, in church and her daughter um, would turn around and look at everybody in the audience because she just wanted to see everybody in the audience. And the mom kind of turned around and noticed that her daughter was smiling and waving at everybody and saying hi. And and she turned around and said, stop smiling. We're in church. (laughs) And spanked her on the butt. And right away, the The person writing the story, of course, is much older now. And she said, at that point, I realized that maybe church wasn't a place to have fun and be joyful. In fact, it's quite the opposite. That we should be having fun and be joyful. If we come to church thinking that the world is completely in trouble and we have no joy, we don't understand the gift of Jesus. If we're doom and gloom, we don't understand the hope that is in Jesus. So come joyfully. And the last thing that I think spirit-filled people is, is we impart wonder. We continually show how Jesus is working in our lives. We point people back to Jesus. We have the power of Christ in us. 2 Peter 1.4 even just says, we have the divine nature of God in us and we can do all of these things because he's given us that power. Paul in Galatians says it, it differently. In 2.20 he says, it is Christ that lives in me. I think we forget that God does walk triumph Jesus does walk triumphantly into the temple to take his rightful place and if anything it looks like on palm sunday that he <laughs> he should take the place in our hearts the rightful place in our hearts that is our temple and on palm sunday it can remind us over and over again is jesus lord of your life so that you desire to impart healing and have joy and give wonder to all around because we are witnesses in jerusalem judea samaria some area and to the outer ends of the earth in glasgow in valley county in montana in the united states and into the rest of the world that's what Jesus does through us when he enters into, into our lives. And that when we repent and seek to obey, we can have the exact same power as Peter and John do. We're gonna close with a uh, song from the sign team and then uh, Brian is going to close us in prayer.
1: Okay, find one of those ladies after church and give them a hug. Was awesome. I'm just assuming they all like hugs. You can do that as well. Um, w- whenever I see uh, physical disability, blindness, and lameness, and um, disease, and different things like that, I, I feel that, that in the, the Gospels and in Acts, a lot of times God's um, just leave the lights off. He's going to just leave them off. Um, a lot of times God's pointing out sin. Um, we, we, we're gonna have people in our lives that have been debilitated by sin their entire life. We were that way before belief in Christ. Debilitated, can't walk, can't live joyously, can't let Christ live through us. And so then the second thing is, uh, oftentimes we, we can make the wrong comparison that this lame beggar, it, if it was in today's day and age, would be right outside these doors. But that's, that's not true because this isn't a temple. This is a building. The temple is you. And so in your daily life throughout the week, this was at 3, 3 p.m., in your daily life throughout the week, how many people are disabled, are suffering in sin that God has in your life day in and day out? I think there's two different reactions. We can worship Jesus and lay palms down and then crucify him a week later, a day later. Or we can say, I don't have any gold or silver, but I need to tell you about this joy, about this forgiveness in your life and allow people around us to walk. We do get people to come up to the church and ask for things, but I think it happens a lot more throughout the week in your lives. And so... Look for that this week. Look for opportunities to share Christ the same way that Peter did. Hold someone's hand. Tell them that there's a different way to live. Show them that there's a different way to live. And then watch them leap and run and jump for joy. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to meet weekly and worship you without persecution. Lord, we can freely meet here in this beautiful place and lift your name on high. And Lord, I pray that the same enthusiasm that we have in our worship team, in our sign team, Lord, I pray that we can have that in our everyday lives as we're dealing with people all over Glasgow, Valley County, Montana and to the outer ends of the earth. Lord, may you give us the words to use, the hugs to give, the prayers to pray. Lord, we can't do this without you. May we continue to remember that, especially this week, and use every single opportunity we have to be a part of your unfolding plan. Lord, we love you. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast.
1: Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com
0: or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.